Chapter One of The Things in Our Garden. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. The Things in Our Garden by Arthur Ransom. Chapter One The Garden. This is a little book all about two children who live in a grey house with ivy on its walls, set in the middle of a garden with an orchard at its back. It is going to tell you about some of the things that there are in the garden, things that the two children love, things that you may see too for yourself, and love also if you are lucky enough to live in a garden like theirs and can run about quietly and use your eyes. But first of all, it is going to tell you about the two children and the other people who belong to the garden, and about the garden itself. When you have heard all this, you shall know about the feathered people, and the plant people, and the insect people that the two children love, and also about the two gardens that are theirs for their very own. There are four people who belong to the garden, and to whom the garden belongs, the imp, and the elf and the old gardener and me other people of course walk about in it sometimes but we love it best so that we are the real owners let me tell you about ourselves one by one beginning with the children the elf is a little girl she is sometimes very good and sometimes very bad one day she really wants above everything to be good and the next she thinks it the most delicious thing in all the world to be naughty in fact, she is very like most other little girls, and I have never known her to do an unkind thing to insects, or bird, or plant. She loves them all, and they seem to love her in return. She wears a pale blue sunbonnet and a spotty pinafore, or a brown holland overall, and sometimes, when her nurse has only just done with her, looks very neat indeed while at other times, when the garden has just done with her, she is as grubby a little animal as you could find. The imp is very like the elf, only that he is a little boy, and wears knickerbockers instead of petticoats, and somehow manages to get even grubbier than his sister. When he is good, he is about as good as the elf, and when he is naughty, he is not any worse. They are both very nice. The imp wears a big straw hat and a holland overall like the elf's. He tugs at the gardener's roller and on hot days falls asleep in its shadow. He climbs all the trees he can reach and tumbles into every stream he knows, and discovers more ways of dirtying himself and his clothes than any other boy I have known. Then there is the old gardener. He is very old, older than the trees, the elf says. He is a little bent with the damp in his bones, and he has a fluffy white beard growing all around his wrinkled brown face, and a wisp of white hair under his big cap. He knows everything that is to be known about the garden and the things in it, and often when he is walking up and down the garden of an evening, watering the flowers, or kneeling on a sack on the damp grass planting seedlings in the beds, the imp and the elf walk with him or stand beside him with their hands behind their backs and ask questions, all kinds of questions. 
and he gives them odd answers that are true like the wise old man he is and some of the queer things he has told them they have repeated to me and you shall hear of them if you read this book and then also the garden belongs to me but the imp and the elf have far bigger shares in it than mine for they are in it all day long in summer time whenever they are not in the lanes or the woods or the meadows or the heather while i have to stay indoors and work because i am a grown-up work is very like lessons it just keeps you from the things you want to do the imp and the elf are very lucky for one thing they do very few lessons and for another whenever the ground is dry and the air warm they do their lessons out of doors the grown-ups who look after them think it much better that they should know all about the live things that are in the garden like plants and trees and ants and wasps and worms and birds and slugs and bats and beetles than about the dead things that are in books so the imp and the elf are happy really it would be very odd if they were not full of laugh and fun and all sorts of happiness with a garden for a schoolroom and an old gardener for a schoolmaster and all the living things for lesson books besides you see the old gardener teaches them the things they want to know instead of the things that it is difficult to think useful the little grey house that is our home is full of crooks and corners and old gables with twisted rain spouts that make splendid homes for the birds it is um, nearly covered with dark ivy and high in this close green foliage we can see the little bits of straw sticking out that show where the nests are we see the brown sparrows flit in and out and now and again a bigger bird stumpy and dark with a thick neck and a shimmer of green over his back and breast he is a starling and you shall hear about him presently all around the front and sides of the house spreads the garden one of the front rooms of the house is the study where i work and the children come after breakfast to drag me out for walks and at night to make me tell them fairy stories it has a big window looking out on a broad green lawn where the birds feed in winter little black moving dots on the white snow but now it is bright and green and the imp is lying in his favorite place in the shadow of the roller looking very fat and hot he has got a book with him full of pictures and i suspect it is the little book of birds or else hans andersen's fairy tales that have the very jolliest pictures beyond the lawn is a group of trees none of them very big but quite big enough to make a little wood and a little wood makes any garden perfect the birds build their nests in it and sing in the branches of the trees and the imp and the elf have built themselves a cave of sticks and greenery and make it into a robber camp or a cavern of sorcery in a magic wood or a witch's hut in the depths of a forest just whatever they may happen to want at the times when they are feeling like witches or wizards magicians or brigands in the little wood they play through all the stories that they know the imp becomes jack the giant killer or the enchanted prince and the elf is the sleeping beauty or cinderella and a hundred other heroines of fairy tales there is an oak in the little wood stout and strong with boughs growing straight out and then turning up like candles in chandeliers 
there is a chestnut almost the first tree to break into leaf in spring with its big divided leaves and spikes of green flowers followed in the autumn by round hard nuts in prickly coats like little green hedgehogs there are graceful birches with silver stems and clouds of delicate pale green leaves there are bushy hazels that give us catkins and nuts and beautiful furry leaves perhaps dearest of all among the trees there is a little larch that glows every springtime like a pale green flame in its new foliage and stands now a spire of vivid green among the more sombre colors of the other trees under the larch we have tea in summer when it is too hot to have it on the lawn beyond the trees there is a low hedge with holes in it through which the imp and the elf crawl out into the meadow but on either side there is a stone wall shutting the garden and the house into a little country of its own close under the wall on one side is a shrubbery with rhododendrons big and thick and very dark green with huge purple and violet and rose-colored blossoms as the summer goes on the blossoms fall and carpet the ground under the shrubbery with burning color close by there is a yew tree very old and thick spreading out its boughs and shade over a low seat made of a plank fixed on big stones here we often sit in the evenings listening to people playing the piano in the house or telling fairy tales to each other or making plans for the next day and the day after that and all days or just resting quietly after the heat of the sun watching the bat that lives in the yew tree fly in and out and slip past us in the air like a wavy streak of black lightning a queer little gentleman is the bat half mouse half bird indeed some people call him flittermouse and they are not far from the truth for he is just a wee beastie like a mouse only with very long toes on his forefeet and thin webbing between them and his hind legs to make wings he flies very quietly and skilfully like a butterfly with turns and darts and dashes catching the little insects that fly in the dusk during the day he sleeps hung up by his hind feet somewhere in a hollow in the yew in a wall at the other side of the garden there is a hollow built with a broad flat shelf in it and side by side in the shelf are two round things made of twisted straw and shaped like porridge bowls upside down all through the summer a great buzzing and humming sounds here for the straw things are beehives of the old-fashioned sort and we can watch the bees working busily throughout the daytime flying out from the hives and then from flower to flower collecting the honey that you shall hear about later in the book and flying back again heavily laden to store it in little waxen cells but you shall hear all about the bees in the chapter on the little people fruit trees are trained on both the walls pears and plums and green gauges and they are beautiful with blossom in early summer and heavy with ripe fruit in autumn in the summer blossom time when the clouds of delicate pale colored flowers cling about their branches the bees flit to and fro among them but in autumn the wasps striped angry black and yellow eat their way into the soft fruit and come buzzing out in very bad tempers when we touch the pear or the plum that they are enjoying 
close where the wall comes away round the trees in the little wood at the end of the garden are two oblong plots of ground with a white rose tree in one and a red rose tree in the other and round them a medley of plants crimson and white bachelor's buttons that are really stout double daisies pansies yellow marigolds and blue forget-me-nots and london pride and red geraniums and gaudy nasturtiums and wallflowers with borders of virginian stock little wee flowers that grow close to the ground in all shades of pinks and lilacs these are the gardens that belong to the imp and the elf for their very own selves and they do all the tending of them planting the flowers and sowing seeds and hoeing and raking and weeding and watering out of little tin watering cans in the cool twilight when the sun has gone to bed there is a whole chapter about these two little gardens at the very end of the book down each side of the lawn there are long flower beds full of sweet simple flowers lupins and poppies and all the flowers that ought to grow in a real english garden the flowers that our grandfathers and grandmothers loved to pluck and smell and that our little grandchildren will love some day the flowers that nobody can help loving under the walls there are beds too with strawberries in them and gooseberry and currant bushes and rows of scarlet beans and brightly tinted sweet peas and between the beds on either side of the lawn two gravel paths run the whole length of the garden standard roses bloom in the beds at the edge of the paths and when we go along the walks which are always kept free from grass or weed we pass under arches here and there entwined with clematis white and purple or hop or honeysuckle or climbing roses that make the garden one of the sweetest that i know it is a pretty place our garden and the elf and the imp were wishing just now as they put their heads in at the study window that they could have all the children who are going to read this book to tea in it two at a time every day throughout the summer End of chapter one